Hey guys, just want to show you what the TikTok experience is like on the Apple Vision Pro. I uh, have three TikToks going at once. I am able to uh, consume as much TikTok content as I want at any given time. Um, we're over here, and if I get bored of one, I can just, just kind of scroll. You can see I can scroll to the next. Um, so we have over here someone eating a panini. If I get bored of that, I can move to the next and see what this person's playing Fortnite. That's pretty cool. We have over here, you have a good spot to hide and seek. This girl needs to pee. Kind of bored of watching her pee. TikTok, I guess, thinks I like Fortnite over here. This guy, ooh, got shot twice. Don't care. That makes me sad. Makes me depressed. Let's go to the next one. So as you can see, TikTok is fantastic on the Apple Vision Pro. You, you can consume as much uh, TikTok content as you want at any given time. Usually I'm on my phone, right? And you can only go one at a time. Now I'm able to get three going at a time over here. We got a nice you know, makeup tutorial. I know you've been waiting many years to find any way that you could self-induce schizophrenia. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's here. $3,500 straight from Apple, and you too can have three TikTok apps running simultaneously. It's so, it's so, I mean, do we have, do we have time to just watch one TikTok? Can, I mean, you have videos, they're six to 10 seconds long. I can't possibly focus that long. I need three running simultaneously. I want to have an out of body experience while consuming social media. This is what our heroes at Apple have delivered. And for the low, low price of $3,500, you too can lose your effing mind. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? I'd like to speak to you today about an urgent responsibility that Congress has to uphold the national security needs of the United States. This cannot wait. Congress needs to pass supplemental funding for Ukraine. Is there a limit for how much support we can give to Ukraine? They, in El Paso, they say they just do not have the resources to deal with this many migrants. So there you have it. Joe Biden has been to Kiev, or Kiev, since we've totally reformulated our lexicon and descriptions of all of the countries over there, or all of the cities over there, rather. Uh, he's been there eight times. Been to the border, I think, maybe once. Lahaina, once. Uh, Palestine, Ohio, once. Or he's he's planning to go there. Hasn't even been there, even though the disaster was a year ago. I think it's it's becoming exceedingly blatant, brazen, that we have a political establishment that is totally, totally disinterested with the demands of the American people. Our alleged representatives in this beautiful democratic system, and they have zero concern for the concerns of you and your loved ones. And I don't know when we reach a breaking point. I don't know when people go, okay, all right, whoa, had just about enough. Uh, but I think it's soon, I really do, because this is so, so, so bad. So let's go through this bill. For those that aren't familiar, there has been a bipartisan bill passed by the Senate that is going to be voted on by Congress shortly, and they are going to decide whether or not our border is secured. Now, mind you, this has almost nothing to do with the border whatsoever. This is Chris Murphy. Uh, I think he's a senator from Connecticut. 
Minutes ago, the text of the bipartisan national security funding bill was released. It funds Ukraine, Israel, and humanitarian relief. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Border bill funds Ukraine, Israel, and humanitarian relief. And it, quote, secures our border and reforms our asylum law. One, as the co-author of the immigration provisions, here's a thread on the key elements. So I'm not reading, keep in mind, I am not reading some detractors take. This is one of the co-authors of the bill. First, it would be easy to just keep immigrants and border policy as a political cudgel for another 40 years, but politics at its best is about finding bipartisan compromise on the toughest issues. That's what we've done here. He's lying. Here's a snapshot of what's in the bill. A quicker, fairer asylum process. No more 10-year wait. Claims processed in a non-detained, non-adversarial way in six months. A slightly higher asylum screening standard at the border. Also, no more waiting for work permit permits. Most asylum seekers can work immediately. On that one, I agree. That's a good thing. A brand new right to legal representation for all immigrants. Remember when Trump denied lawyers to victims of the Muslim ban? Never again. So... Anybody that comes across our border illegally gets an attorney right away. Interesting. Are they offering free attorneys to everybody else in America? Well, I guess, but it's uh, interesting that, you know, people that aren't American citizens get the rights of a citizen. Uh, and the first ever government paid for lawyers for young unaccompanied minors, a longstanding injustice righted. A requirement the president uh, to funnel asylum claims to the land ports of entry when more than 5,000 people cross a day. So basically, only, only when the total encounters tops 5,000 will the president then funnel the asylum claims to the land ports of entry. Okay, big improvement, I guess. <laughs> the border never closes. Oh, it never closes. All right. Well, thank you for saying it bl bl bluntly, uh, but claims must be processed at the ports. This allows for a more orderly, humane asylum processing system. But important checks on that power. It can only be used for a limited number of days per year. It sunsets in three years. Emergency cases that show up in between the ports still need to be accepted. So basically, they can anybody that says it's an emergency, well, they still come right in. So that cap means nothing. Uh, the ports must process at a minimum of 1,400 claims a day. You can't reduce arrival at the border without following or allowing for more legal immigration. So more visas, 50,000 extra employment and family reunification visas each year for the next five years. I'm okay with that part too. And a brand new visa category to allow non-citizens to visit family in the U.S. Now, when people overstay their visas, are you going to actually go after them and deport them? Probably not. A clarification of how humanitarian parole is used at the land borders, but no changes to the president's ability to bring in vetted sponsored migrants through the program known as CNHV. Uh, a new pathway to citizenship for Afghan parolees, the Afghan Adjustment Act, and the children at H-1B holders. These kids are often current, currently subject to depo deportation when they become 21. And the bill helps fix the border and reform our broken asylum system, but it doesn't deviate from our nation's core values. We are a nation that re rescues people from terror and violence. We are a nation that is stronger because of our tradition of immigration, period. Stop. All right. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's their framing on it. Now I'll give you the details and what you need to know and why you need to know that this bill is an absolute and utter disaster. Starting off with, well, let's first break down his, his summation here. 
The bill helps fix the border and reform, reform our broken asylum system, but it doesn't deviate from our nation's core values. We are a nation that rescues people from terror and violence. Nonsense. The American empire is responsible for spreading terror and violence all over the rest of the world, and it has been as long as I've been alive, if not way, 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 way longer. So I don't even know, like, I don't even know how people still pretend that that's, that's the American core value. I wish it were. I wish it were, but it's not. Uh, and we are a nation that is stronger because of our tradition of immigration. Well, I don't disagree with that. I mean, almost everybody that lives here does come from an immigrant. The issue, of course, which they don't want to talk about, is that the immigration flow is north of 3 million annually. And historically, it was around 300,000. So the migrant crisis is a crisis because it has 10x'd over the past few years. And that is completely and utterly unsustainable. And for those that think that I'm overstating it to say that it's unsustainable, you don't have to extrapolate based off of some sort of, uh, you know, climate change chart or anything like that. You just have to actually do the math and, and extrapolate from the trend line, right? Just assume that the trend level stays intact. I'm not even saying it's going to increase, which it might, but let's just pretend that it stays where it's at currently. Three million... That's the numbers that we're being told about. I would imagine it's probably closer to 5 million, but just go with the conservative number, say 3 million migrants annually. Well, if that were to be maintained in 10 years, you have 30 million new migrants. That's a little less than 10% of the population of the United States. 10% in a decade. Do you think that the American economy, culture, anything else, can actually acclimate to a 10% shift in the demographic in a decade. I think if you're being honest with yourself, you should be able to acknowledge that that would be extremely problematic. That would be a problem. And as Cernovich points out, during a period of seven consecutive calendar days, there is an average of 5,000 or more aliens who are encountered each day, or on any one calendar day, a combined total of 8,500 or more aliens are encountered. So what this is saying is that until the encounters are north of 5,000 or average 5,000 for seven consecutive days, nothing in this bill goes into place other than the billions of dollars that are sent to Ukraine and Israel. All of the other border constraints and changes in terms of policy doesn't really go into effect. It also does not go into effect until the end of this year. So they're going to allow the flood con to continue even though this is some sort of emergency bill, right? You got to fix it right away. They're going to allow it to continue until the end of the year before it's even potential to be acted upon. Now add to this, they then also shift all asylum and immigration uh, court cases to the DC court. One of the most corrupt courts, if not the most corrupt court in America that will do exclusively the bidding of the Joe Biden administration as we've seen with Trump cases and things like that. So they shift all of those matters to the DC court. Does that sound like a good thing to you? Does that sound like something a bipartisan GOP senator or, or a congressman should be on board with? Well, no, probably not. Now, on top of that, in the bill itself, it gives Joe Biden the ability to completely ignore this issue entirely. It gives him basically executive uh, you know, fiat to say, I don't think that this is a problem right now. 
So it doesn't actually force his hand at all, which is the position that we're in right now. So he doesn't actually have to do any of the things in terms of constraints when it comes to the 5,000 or the 8,500 in a day cap before anything changes at all. Nothing. So this bill is being portrayed as some sort of border fix, but in truth, it is an absolute money laundering scheme to send billions more to the tune of approximately 80 billion to Ukraine and 16 billion to Israel. Two wars, I might add, that we don't want to be involved in unless we've totally lost our minds. So the, the American people who are rightfully concerned about this immigration disaster, absolute disaster, are now being extorted to the tune of 120 or $130 billion, only 10 billion or 20 billion of which actually even alleges to go to the border. But in truth, it really just cements the immigration level at about 2 million annually, which is almost seven times what our highs used to be from just a decade ago. So they want to put into law that the cap on migration will be around 2 million, which I don't believe that that'll actually be upheld because Biden or whoever the next Democrat or even GOP president could just say, I don't agree. I don't think it's a problem. In which case this entire uh, you know, border shift is just thrown out the window. So you have, it'll be just cemented at 2 million annually. So what's that mean? That means 20 million in a decade. That means 40 million new migrants in 20 years, in two decades. It also lays the groundwork for a potential amnesty for everybody here, as you've seen in New York. So I'm going to run you that clip. That's not true. The New York City Council voted in December to allow this. It begins January 9, 2023. Cities in Vermont and Maryland already allow this, and similar measures are under consideration in Illinois, Maine, and, and uh, Massachusetts right now. Mr. Gentleman, will you? Yes. Uh, I believe those are um, considerations of allowing votes in municipal elections only. Right, but, but th th thank you. That's the point. <laughs> Everybody wants to know at home, why would they allow this? Guys, they're allowing it because they're going to turn them into voters. They already are doing this in New York City, largest city in America. And this is the plan of our friends on this side to turn all the illegals into voters. That's it, folks. That's what's going on. That's the game. That's why the border's open. That's why they've dropped it. Look, I, I respect Ms. Lofgren yield? and all her work in this arena. Yes, I'll, I'll yield, Mr. Chairman. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. As a New Yorker, I would love to think that New York is the entire country, but it is not. <laughs> It is not, and consideration is being given to uh, uh, permitting uh, non-citizens to vote in New York, and I believe in uh, in uh, the capital city of Vermont. I forget which that is, uh, but it, as lo as much as I'd like to believe it, New York and Vermont are not the entire country. But Mr. Chairman, that's the whole point. This is what's going on, folks, at home. If you're trying to figure this out, if you're scratching your heads, you're seeing the video, you see droves of people, 2.4 million people coming over the border illegally. The president allowing, the Democrats in charge of Congress are allowing it. The deal is they're going to turn them into voters. You just heard it. They don't have any problem with that. They celebrate it. Here's the deal. We have a problem with it. The Constitution has a problem with it. American elections should be decided by American citizens. That's it. 
That's what, that's what this is about. That's why we're jumping up and down and screaming, my friends on the video who are commenting about this. That's why we're so upset, because our constituents are, 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 are frightened that we are losing our country. We're losing our security or losing our sovereignty because we're going to allow people from 160 different countries around the world to come in here and decide our elections. That's it. Here it is on record. You all heard it. I'm out of time. I yield back. Well, I don't necessarily agree that it's actually that simple. I think that while he makes some you know, allegations that could be well-founded, and I think it certainly plays a role in the Democrat policymaking you know, thesis, but I think that it's also highly probable that they are preparing for war and that they are looking around at the American domestic population and they're saying, if you've looked at the, the statistics on it, there's a huge percentage of the young people in this country, young men and women, that are not fit to serve. They cannot do it. I mean, unless they lower the, the guidelines or the restrictions and they allow anybody in that wants to get in, mental health, out of shape, asthma, can't breathe, can't see, whatever. If they want to let all those people in, okay, maybe you can meet your recruiting requirements, but then you have a military that's a disaster. You know, they always talk about military readiness. Well, is your military ready if you have a bunch of out of shape, unhealthy, crazy people <laughs> in it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And add on to it the fact that we have two proxy wars that we're funding simultaneously right now. I mean, I don't know if you want to call it a proxy war against Palestine, but regardless, we're funding Israel in its endeavor to flatten Gaza. And we're certainly funding to the tune of now, if this bill passes, I think a quarter trillion dollars. I think it's a, it'll be about 250 billion of your dollars, well, printed dollars, but your inflated life savings sent to Ukraine in a losing endeavor against Russia. You have those two fronts. You then also have the potential Evergrande, the largest or second largest, excuse me, real estate development firm in China, which has been in and out of bankruptcy court and trying to be salvaged for the past year plus, finally gave up and has now been driven into bankruptcy a few days ago. If you look at the Chinese stock market, they are lock limit down, which means that trading was so bad that they just capped all trading and they're just keeping prices where they're at. Over a third of the Chinese stock market was lock limit down earlier this morning. So this is what I've been talking to you guys about for the longest time. So I hope I don't need to educate you, but for the new viewers, I'll, I'll make it very brief. When you have debt issues like this, where you have, uh, you know, especially in the real estate market, obviously a huge amount of development is done on debt. And when you have a, the second largest real estate developer in China, a nation with 1.5 billion people go bankrupt, that means that there's a lot of debt that is being defaulted on to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And because those banks will now be left holding the bag, that means that they, because of derivative contracts, will not be able to make good on other debts that they owe to other banks because all these banks lend between one another, just like our, our central banks do, just like our JP Morgans of the world do, Bank of America, et cetera. This is exactly what happened in 0809. It's called a banking contagion where you have everybody that thinks that they're sitting pretty realizes that all these de derivative contracts that were supposed to insure them because they were over leveraged 
Well, they're no longer collectible because the counterparty is now gone. They're bankrupted. So that's what happened with Evergrande. And because of that, the Chinese economy is absolutely reeling. And my fear is China may respond by saying, okay, well, while we're still in this position, particularly if the, the people of China start to rise up because they realize that the economy is falling apart, they may say, okay, well, we're going to war with Taiwan. So that, that means now you got three fronts. So my thesis, and I think it's a reasonable one, I can't prove it necessarily, but they have talked about it. There have been bills that have been floated that say they're going to offer citizenship for enlistment to illegal immigrants. They're going to say, if you, if you came here illegally, but you want to become an American citizen, all you have to do is serve four years, 10 years, whatever. Now that bill hasn't been passed yet, but I think it's very fair to extrapolate from having 30 million or so new people in America and you also are facing the potential for a world war, well then, why wouldn't you put these largely young fighting age young men into the military and onto the front lines and then offer them citizenship on the back end? So I think, I think that's a big part of it. It's not just about kind of reinforcing their stranglehold on the electorate, but also bolstering the the ranks of the military, which are depleting. They are not able to meet their recruiting uh, you know, requirements and they haven't been able to do so for many years now. So I think that this answers a lot, a lot of problems that the government created for itself, as is usually the case. Now, this is the major clip that I wanted to talk about. This is Chuck Schumer talking about the bill that he is so gleeful to have passed in the Senate. Today's episode is brought to you by sheathunderwear.com. Calm. They just sent me a few pairs and this killer shirt. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you guys know that if you, you guys probably already know this about me, not a big fan of underwear, only wear them in the gym. But I'll tell you this much. This is the, I'm no exaggeration, the most comfortable, high quality boxer briefs I have ever owned. They're moisture wicking. They keep everything cool and separated. I'll, I'll leave that to your imagination. <laughs> And they're great for working out and they're legitimately the most comfortable. I don't even think they're the most comfortable underwear I own. I think they're the most comfortable item of clothing I have ever owned. So for 2024, step up your underwear game, graduate from holes, loose fabrics, cheap cotton briefs that bunch up and buy the greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man. Sheath underwear, the underwear of legends, legitimately. Michael Malice, Dave Smith, Clint Russell, we all wear them, get it. I'm not a legend, those guys are, but you get my point. Sheath can be worn as regular boxer briefs, or you can use the incredibly high-tech sheath pouch to keep everything separated. Once again, I'll leave that to your imagination. I now wear these every day when I work out, and I can tell you that they are the most comfortable pair of briefs I have ever worn. Now, this company is a brand new sponsor, and they are only doing limited ad reads with me. So I need you guys, if you are interested, if you have ever considered getting sheath, I need you to go and buy it right now with promo code LIBERTY. Get yourself 20% off. 20% off just with promo code Liberty. And if enough of you buy them, I think that they'll probably re up and want to do a whole bunch of ads with me, just like they do with the other shows. And it's a great company, a great product, and you're a great audience. So I want you to be wearing the best boxer briefs around. Again, go to sheathunderwear.com. That's S H E A T H underwear.com and use the promo code Liberty to get 20% off. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code Liberty. Let's get back into the show. 
You've said that you worked very closely with Leader McConnell on this, this bill, now that we see what's in it, seems to be as bipartisan as it gets. Why wouldn't this, why wouldn't both sides really want this to go through? Well, it's a great question, Mika. Look, it took a long time, four months of arduous negotiations. They fell off the tracks a whole bunch of times. I had to be on the phone even at midnight saying, we've got to keep going. Why? We're at a turning point in America. This bill is crucial, and history will look back on it and say, did America fail itself? Why is it crucial? Well, if we don't aid uh, Ukraine, Putin will be walk all over Ukraine. We will lose the war. And we okay, let's take this piece by piece, because he, he throws a, a lot of nonsense rapid fire, and I think it's very important that we pay attention to what he's actually saying. So, number one, he claims that unless we continue to fund Ukraine, well, then they're going to lose the war against Russia. For the record, they're already losing the war. It's a foregone conclusion. We need to be encouraging them to go to the negotiating table and settle on whatever the new border dynamic is going to be between those two nations. Russia has shown no inclination to actually move towards Poland and take on all of NATO. So whatever fear-mongering that he lays out in the aftermath of this rant is nonsense. We could be fighting in Eastern Europe and a NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that. If we don't help Israel defend itself against Hamas, that perpetual war will go on and on and on. So what's the implication there? I thought this was probably the most overlooked and interesting thing that he said here, is that if we don't help Israel win that war, then the issue with Hamas, the war with Hamas, will go on, on and on and on and on. Well, there has been a few pathways to peace that people have pursued one state solution two state solution right what does it sound like he's he's hinting at there i mean they'll claim if 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 i had you know the capacity to actually push him on this he would claim that it's just to wipe out hamas but you should remember it's estimated 30 to 40,000 people have already been killed in gaza over half of all of the housing in gaza is gone, bombed into oblivion. So if that war is not already capable of being won by Israel, what is the what is the actual win parameter that we're discussing here? Because it sounds to me like it's a total wipeout. It's what it sounds like. Something to think about. If we don't help humanitarian aid to the starving Palestinians in Gaza, hundreds of thousands could starve. And the border, everyone has said it's chaos. A speaker, you just saw Speaker Johnson, he said it's mm -hmm. chaos, we have to do something legislative a few months ago. But what has happened, in answer your, to que your question, so this is crucial for America, it's a turning point. It's so, non-mandatory, this is the key. At 4,000 over a seven-day period, non-mandatory. 5,000 over a seven-day period, okay, now that becomes mandatory. And then 8,500 in a one-day period, mandatory limitations. I mean, it's these are astronomical figures. We're talking about per day, not per month, per day. History is going to look over our shoulders and say, did we rise to the occasion? To his credit, Mitch McConnell did. But too many Republicans, yeah. including Speaker Johnson, are just scared to death of Donald Trump. Donald Trump has said he wants chaos. This is this is the ultimate canard that they've been pushing, and I've seen Bill Maher was doing it on Friday. It's been every every talking head on the left has been pushing this nonstop. Joe or Donald Trump doesn't want to fix because it's politically 
better for him if the if the immigration if the border issue is an absolute nightmare it's better for him politically that's why the the gop is so afraid to vote for this look at the actual bill itself though 62 billion additional dollars when we're already almost to 200 billion in aid to ukraine over the past two years they want to strap another 62 billion pushing it to a quarter trillion dollars 14 billion in military support for Israel, which obviously almost nobody on the GOP side, aside from Thomas Massey, actually opposes, but setting that aside, and then 10 billion in humanitarian aid for Gaza and Ukraine, which, well, I certainly uh, feel bad for the people of Gaza and for the people of Ukraine for that matter. I am not interested in being robbed and forced to send aid to them. If you want to ask me to voluntarily do so, that's a different discussion. That's not what you're doing here. Uh, and then $5 billion for partners in the Indo-Pacific, which is almost certainly to bolster Taiwan, I would guess. I haven't read the 200-page bill, but that's <laughs> – you can guess. So basically what we're talking about, this bill is a military bill. This is a, this is a direct $100-plus billion handout to the military-industrial complex. That's what this is. And it's packaged as being a border security bill. It's amazing the obfuscation when you just cut through the you know the platitudes and the flowery language they use to name these things. You get to the reality that this is just a handout to Boeing and Lockheed Martin and whatever Blackwater is called today. I mean, just disastrous. Donald Trump has said, well, wait till I become president. That'll take at least a year. Ukraine could be gone. The border will get much worse. War in the Middle East will get worse, maybe bring, bringing, bringing us into it. He's doing it all for political reasons. Now, what is the evidence that it would actually, the, the situation in the Middle East will get worse, will get worse if we don't fund Israel as they wipe out the Palestinians? How, how, how could you... How could you really rationally argue that? I mean, is there is there anyone in America or on the planet, really, that thinks that Gaza is, or excuse me, that Hamas is going to recover and actually topple Israel? Like, does anybody actually believe that? I find it very hard to believe that anyone believes that. Now, what could happen? What would actually worsen the situation in the Middle East? Well, we just lost three U.S. troops because we have all of our bases over there. And a bunch of these people are very, very upset with us for funding Israel in their wipeout of Gaza. What would actually make the situation worse? Well, what would really make the situation worse is if we continue to fund Israel, regardless of what they do to the Palestinians and the rest of the Arab nations in their perimeter decide that they've seen enough. Now, that's how you get a really bad situation, but they never talk about that ever because they don't care because their goal is war. And let me just say, will senators, the crucial question, the $64,000 question, the majority of Republican senators know this bill is the right thing to do. It's a compromise. I don't like everything in it. Neither does McConnell. But it's a compromise. That's the only way you get things important done in the Senate. We proved that two years ago in our bipartisan legislation. And will the senators drown out the political noise from Trump and his minions and do mm -hmm. the right thing for America? It's a crucial question. History will, is looking down on every one of us right now. Such a reprehensible, deceptive, du duplicitous performance. 
to try and propagandize the American people into thinking this is for our best interest. In what way is sending, we're, we're dealing with backbreaking inflation in America. Absolutely brutal inflation. Poor people are really on the brink. The middle class is almost entirely obliterated. Any concern for that? No, no, no. We have to pass this to for the benefit of the American people, for our defense. It's an outright lie. It's not a word of it is true. There is no national interest in exacerbating the conditions in the Middle East by continuing to fund Israel as they do whatever the fuck they want to the people of Palestine. There is no American national interest. There is my interest, your interests are not in alignment with that. There is no national interest in continuing to provoke a potential world war or a nuclear war with Russia or potentially driving that into an escalation where it does come head to head between NATO and Russia or China or Iran. There are so many different flashpoints that could pop off. None of this helps to alleviate that. So if you're going to talk about our national interests, it's just not in alignment with anything that I know to be my own interest. So that means that it's for something else's interest. In this case, the military industrial complex, Israel, and just the, the war machine broadly. Because I don't even think it's for Ukraine's interest. I think whatever the fuck they were doing over in Ukraine, it's to continue to keep that hidden. That's really... That's really why it's in America's national interest because of whatever they were working on in the laboratories over there. And I can't talk about it, so I'll just leave it there. That's the truth. These people are not your representatives. They are lying through their teeth. They have no concern for your well-being, financial or otherwise. They are absolutely sailing your children down the river. And you, I might add. Because we're no longer just talking about in the future pain and suffering we're talking about present day pain and suffering that the american people are dealing with because of their unbelievably disloyal action i mean let's just call it what it is this is traitorous behavior it is i don't know how you can see it any other way if you disagree go ahead and leave it <laughs> leave it in the comments tell me why i'm wrong tell me why this is any way beneficial to the american people because I can't seem to wrap my head around it. Maybe I'm just dumb. So the big news breaking about an hour ago is that Tucker Carlson has just left the presidential palace of Vladimir Putin. Did he have an interview with him? Allegedly, he was in the building for about an hour. My assumption is it probably did happen, but we will, we will find out soon. But what I did find interesting is there was some footage of Tucker speaking to people in Russia in my opinion, he's the bravest and most courageous American journalist today, who has the fortitude to be frank and speak his mind. Tucker Carlson frequently appears in the news. He is known for telling the truth, which is why he often faces criticism in the United States. From what I understand, he has come here to Moscow, and I don't know if they'll let him back into the U.S. I deeply admire his courage and his ability to provide genuine personal insights into what is truly happening. His rationality, logic, and understanding of good and evil are qualities worthy of respect. 
I also appreciate his boldness in expressing his opinions, despite living in a country that has cooked up this fascist mess, so to speak. I was struck by how frankly he talks about the real problems in the United States. He provides a very good presentation of information with a good sense of humor. I've heard that he's come to Russia. Well, welcome. I think you get the point. The people of Russia have a very similar opinion of Tucker Carlson to what I do, is exactly what they just said. And I think that's very interesting. That the reason Tucker Carlson is so feared in America by the establishment at this point is because whether you agree with all of his solutions, whether you agree with all of his analysis even, it is quite clear that he is going against what the regime wants. And I think it's very interesting that the people of Russia, these people who we've been told to hate for the past couple of years now, they perceive it similarly, that they can identify that he is one of the few that is actually pushing back against the regime's propaganda demands. And I think it's very, it's a very interesting insight I, like, I think that the main reason that they don't want Tucker Carlson sitting down with Vladimir Putin is because they don't want to humanize him. They don't want to give any legitimacy or credence to his, his concerns. They don't want to allow him to be portrayed as anything other than a lunatic, which they have done fairly successfully over the past few years. If you've ever actually listened to any of Vladimir Putin's speeches, you come away going, yeah, I don't think I'm being told the truth about what's going on here. Now, he's a politician, and what he's saying may be totally bullshit. It might be. But he does not come across as some irrational lunatic. He does not come across as some Hitler in the making. Quite the contrary. He comes across as someone interested in his own nation and their concerns, which is what a lot of people in America would like to see our political class take on as well. So they don't want to humanize Putin, but they also don't want to humanize the, the concerns of the Russian people. Because if the American people actually have to contend with their concerns in a heartfelt way, in a way that, that can actually reach them on a human level, well, then it's going to make it real hard to propagandize them into continuing to fund Ukraine, won't it? If he's able to actually make the claims as to the provocations that led to the invasion, if he's actually able to, I don't know, levy any allegations as to what transpired when it came to the origin of COVID. Not good. Not good for the regime now, is it? Now, what if he's allowed to make any allegations when it comes to Joe Biden's relationship to the oligarchs of Ukraine or China or Russia, for that matter? What if he makes those claims? What if he makes those claims and, and Tucker Carlson then goes home and produces the documents to demonstrate that his claims not lies? What if it's edited in a way that actually is, is fact-checked, as they always say, gotta, you got to fact-check it in real time? What if he actually does that? What if he actually fact checks it and it's proven that what Vladimir Putin has to say is true? Well, that would be absolutely devastating to them. So there has been a firestorm of responses from all of the worst people in the political commentary realm. Unfortunately, they're on the left, but it's just telling the truth. And they are saying, uh, what's his name? Adam Kinzinger said that, that Tucker Carlson's a traitor. There's been a whole bunch of other people that said that, that he should not be allowed back into the country. An American journalist going to sit down with the leader of a nation that we have been funding a proxy war against for the past two plus years, 
uh, a leader that is sitting on over 6,000 advanced nuclear weapons and they don't want him to have a conversation with the, with that guy. Fascinating, right? There, I posted last night saying that it, if you, if you oppose not just Tucker Carlson, but any American journalist sitting down and interviewing anybody, but in this case, particularly Tucker with Putin, you're just a total piece of shit. You are, you're a total piece of shit. Now just put the shoe on the other foot. Say it's Barbara Walters or whatever your preferred leftist interviewer is, goes and sits down with whoever leadership of Iran, leadership of Russia, leadership of Ukraine. They, they, how many, how many interviews have we seen with Western journalists with Zelensky over the past two years? Have you ever seen, have you ever even thought or heard anybody consider for a moment that that journalist shouldn't be allowed back in the country, that they're a traitor to your, to their nation? Not a one, not a one. And do they give him softball interviews? Do they come across as sycophants? Yeah, all of them do. So what? I'm capable of discernment. I would still rather have open dialogue and conversations regardless. I would still rather hear whatever narrative he's trying to push so I can counterbalance it versus the other side's argumentation. But you don't want us to have the other side's argumentation. You, only, you want to have a monopoly on the narrative. And this breaks that. And you're fucking furious about it because it means that the American people might actually understand the grift that you're running. The hole that you're burying them in. So you can't have any open conversations because it's dangerous for you. It's dangerous. The truth is dangerous to you. And when you're living that lifestyle, when the truth becomes the sword of Damocles... You should look in a mirror. You should really reflect on who you've become and what you're about. None, none of them will. None of them will. I'm not naive. But I hope it beca it's become more and more apparent to everyone watching and listening to this right now. That these people think that you're too dumb to actually hear things that might not be true. I can't tell you how many responses I got from people saying, oh, you just want to have him carry water for Putin. You want to see him, uh, you know, continue to perpetuate the propaganda from Putin. I just said it over and over again. Perpetuate the propaganda from Putin. It's a good rap line, but it's fucking total nonsense. There is no, there is no politician on this planet that I don't look askance towards. And certainly Putin fits that mold. I'm not going to trust what he has to say either. I'm going to cross-reference it, just as I would with Thomas Massey, even though I fucking respect him to the end of the earth. I'm still going to make sure... That what these politicians are saying is accurate. You don't want us to even be able to hear it. That is, that is demonstrative of incredible fragility. You don't have any foundation for your beliefs. You can only maintain it through brute force and violence. The game's up. The game's up. So, I think Tucker Carlson is a hero for not because I think he's putting his life in jeopardy in terms of going to be in Russia during wartime and oh, who knows what might happen to him. No, the reason he's courageous is because he's going against the regime's wishes. When you have Kinzinger and all these other lunatics that are calling him a traitor and saying that he should be deported and kicked out of the country and whatever, whatever, you know that that's reflective and also reflexive, but it's reflective 
of the demands, the desires of the regime, that they want any journalist to be afraid to interview anybody that they've painted a false narrative about. So yeah, kudos to Tucker Carlson, man. And God, God willing, we'll have a lot more courage from our the, the ragtag group of handful of legitimate journalists that we have left because we need it. We need way more truth to be able to actually dissect and analyze these events in real time. And for everybody else that's, that's calling for his deportation, that's calling for him to be banned, calling to have his passport revoked, can't even say what I'd like to. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, I've got to head out to go do the show, thebestpoliticalshow.com with Luke Rudowski and Steph. We just had on Raya Check Ch Raya. Now I'm blanking on her last name. <laughs> the lips at TikTok lady. She's a so she's so sweet. Uh, we also had on James O'Keefe last week, doing over two hundred thousand. Oh, Zuby as well. We, we're doing over two hundred thousand viewers per episode. It's absolutely crazy. If you guys want to check that out, it's thebestpoliticalshow.com. And the most important thing to note is that this Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, live, YouTube, X, Rumble, everywhere else that I put the show up, Dave Smith. Dave Smith and I will long, our long-awaited reuni reunification. It's going to be interesting. Get to get his insights and his, uh, his vibes after the RFK debate for the ages. Um, going to be really interesting. We'll talk about a whole bunch more. We haven't spoken in a, in a while, so we'll catch up on everything. Uh, but uh, tell your wives, tell your kids. I think you're supposed to say hide, but you know, just tell everybody and, and make sure they tune in. Nine o'clock Eastern this Thursday, February 9th. Yeah. February 9th, nine o'clock Eastern. Dave Smith live. Excuse me. February 8th. There we go. I'm an idiot. All right. Uh, and last but not least, please do hit the like button, leave a comment, hit the subscription button, share it with your friends and family. And then if you want to get some dope Tower Gang merch with Toad's beautiful face on it, you can go to toplobster.com. We're out of here. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?